0: The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Good morning. Uh, it's good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, Penny's away. <laughs> um, And if you don't know, I'm Tobias, I'm one of the associate pastors here, and uh, I get the privilege of um, continuing uh, our look into the Psalms. We do this every summer, and um, uh, last week, uh, Penny uh, had us looking at Psalm 125, and if you remember one of the images there, uh, a significant image was the image of God uh, really surrounding us as a mountain Um, in a movable mountain, and one of the the things that uh, we were encouraged to do was, uh, uh, in light of this, was to trust the Lord and to pray, Uh, to trust and to pray. And really, we're going to see some similar themes um, in what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at Psalm 54. You can go ahead and turn there, Psalm 54. And the title tells us that this is a psalm of David. And that it was written in a particularly difficult time in his life. Uh, So let's go ahead and read this psalm, Psalm 54. He writes, O God, save me by your name, and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. The free will offering I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. O gracious and mighty God, we bow before you and we thank you for your word. How sweet it is oh father may it be a bomb to our souls this morning use it lord mightily in the lives of your people teach us of your power your pro- protective nature your fatherly love for your children help us to know like david knew that you are our helper May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, as we begin this morning, I want you to just think for a moment. Think for a moment in your life uh, when you felt powerless, helpless, a time when you felt uh, like you had no means of escape escape from some particular pain or danger or heartache. Perhaps there's a situation at work that you're thinking about. Perhaps you feel like you're being targeted by an unfair boss. You sense your job is on the line and you're worried that you're not going to be able to support yourself or your family. Or perhaps there's a situation at school and you've seen and heard others whispering unkind and And untrue things about you behind your back. And and no matter how often and how powerfully you counter these lies. Nothing seems to work. and, And no one ever seems to change. Or perhaps the situation you're thinking about even right now. Is the moment when you heard from the doctor news of a horrible diagnosis. And that there was really nothing the doctors could do for you. You heard that time was running out for you, or you were looking at a life lived in chronic pain, and you felt utterly discouraged, exhausted, maybe even cheated, and you were just thinking about giving up. Friends, this psalm that we're looking at this morning is about a time in David's life when he, too, felt utterly helpless. In our Sunday School class on the life of David, a man after God's own heart, we've been tracing the narrative of his life through 1 and 2 Samuel. And as we've traced his story, and as I'm sure you're familiar if uh, if you've read 1 and 2 Samuel, we've seen how his life, David's life, was punctuated time and again by difficult situations. Just think through his life. And oftentimes these difficulties were threats coming from the outside, threats by the Philistines, for example, or the Amalekites. But this psalm tells us that here David was experiencing a threat coming from the inside. You see, the title tells us that it was written, when the Ziphites went to Saul, and said is not david hiding among us and if the particulars of this particular story aren't fresh on your mind you can go ahead and read about them in one in 1 samuel 23 and 26 because it actually happens twice but the gist of the story is this david on two occasions he found himself hiding in the wilderness and he was betrayed by the ziphites and the ziphites were fellow israelites they lived in his own region They lived in Judea, in Judah. And what seems to have happened is that these Ziphites saw an opportunity to ingratiate themselves to the man in power. And so they betrayed David to King Saul. In fact, Saul was using them almost as his spies. And for us to grasp the force of what David experienced in these moments, we need to let the realities of David's relationship with Saul sink, into a, in, sink in a bit. You see, Saul was a man who had welcomed David into his court and made him his trusted armor bearer. You remember? He was a man whose troubled spirit had been soothed by David as he played his instrument. He was a man who had benefited from David's courage against the Philistine giant Goliath and perhaps most striking, he was a man who as we read in 1 Samuel 16, 21, loved David greatly (laughs) and yet it was this man and it was these fellow Judeans who had conspired together and had betrayed David and who were now seeking his life. Friends, can you imagine such betrayal? Have you experienced anything like this sort of ingratitude in response to the help you've offered a friend or a loved one? Have you felt the force of such heartless opportunism, which is what it was, at your expense by those you trusted? A situation like this would feel pretty hopeless, wouldn't it? What would you do well how did David respond and how does his response model for us how we ought to respond when we feel like we're powerless to escape well I think we see him respond in three distinct ways in verses 1 through 3 we hear him turn to the Lord in prayer. In verses 4 and 5, we hear him express his confidence in the Lord's deliverance. And in verses 6 and 7, we, we see him with settled confidence, promised to give a pledge to the Lord for his deliverance. So let's take a brief look at each of those in turn. First, I want you to notice what he says in verses 1 and 2. We hear him pray, "O oh God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might oh God hear my prayer give ear to the words of my mouth and what's initially striking to me about this prayer is the order of its progression I don't know if it strikes you that way but you see we we might expect David to begin praying by first appealing to the Lord to hear him and only then to call on him to act and in fact this is what we see him doing In the opening verses of psalm 55 the next psalm but in this psalm we hear david launch right in with his appeal for god's deliverance oh lord save me he says by your name vindicate me by your might it's a subtle thing but it's a bit unusual And i think what it does is it highlights for us just how desperate david was and the urgency of his prayer Of course, this makes sense. After all, he was fearing for his life. Verse 3 tells us that strangers had risen against him, that ruthless men were seeking to kill him. And perhaps it's surprising to you that David, in a psalm written when he'd been betrayed by fellow Israelites and was hiding from King Saul, that he calls his assailants strangers. And in fact, this word strangers is often used to describe enemies from foreign countries like the Assyrians. But I don't think that's what David's doing here. Now the title tells us that his assailants were fellow Israelites, children of the covenant family of God, and they ought to have known better. After all, as members of God's beloved and redeemed people, they knew well that their highest calling Was to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and strength, and to love their neighbor as themselves. But instead, like the fool who says in his heart, There is no God, they had abandoned this highest of callings and had become ruthless. And instead of placing God before themselves and following his guidance, They were following a path paved by their own pride and insolence. And so it's really quite fitting that we hear David cast them as strangers. As as if to underscore the utter estrangement from God and his ways, their ruthless actions now revealed. Just think about that for a moment. You are strangers, is what David's saying. And yet in the midst of all of this, we don't hear David give in to despair, do we? Nor do we hear him trying to make ma- take matters into his own hands or by plotting revenge or, or orchestrating some means of escape. Instead, we hear him humbly turn to the Lord and cry out to him for deliverance. You see, David was a man deeply aware of his own weaknesses and limitations, and amidst the repeated threats he faced throughout his life, he'd made a habit of turning to the Lord in prayer and relying on God for strength to endure, and therefore he knew well the protection that the Lord alone could provide. And I think it's this familiarity with the Lord's protective care that is at the very heart of this psalm. And you know, I love what John Calvin says when commenting on this passage. He says, As David was at this time placed beyond the reach of human assistance, he must be understood as praying to be saved by the power of God. Though all help must ultimately come from God, there are ordinary means. By which he generally extends it. When these fail. And every earthly stay is removed. He, God, must then take the work into his own hands. It was in such a situation that David here fled to the saint's last asylum. And sought to be saved by a miracle of divine power. Friends, are you acquainted with this last asylum? Have you experienced the solace that only prayer can supply to those who've reached their last tether? You see, the Lord provides comfort to us as His people in a profound and in some sense mysterious way when we lay our burdens before Him in prayer. Recently in our sermon series on the book of Romans, we were reminded in Romans chapter 8 that... The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit helps. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Friends, did you hear that? The Spirit of the Lord is present with us when we pray. He enters into our pain and communicates the longings of our hearts to the Father and helps us in our weakness. Friends, do you know that? Do you know that however difficult or insurmountable the trial, however painful and unsettling the betrayal you're now experiencing is, do you know that you can, in fact, you you, you should, like David, turn to the Lord in prayer? Well, having heard David respond to the threat he was facing with prayer in the first three verses, In verses four and five, David expresses his utter confidence in the Lord. And we hear him say, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. What a remarkable statement to make. I mean, David had been betrayed. He was running for his life, he was hiding in the wilderness, and yet he says, Behold, God is my helper. Despite the desperateness of the situation, David knew that the Lord was the one who would uphold his life and his confidence was in the Lord's power and abiding presence. Such confidence in the Lord's abiding and powerful presence is, I think, what led him to pen those beautiful words in Psalm 23, 4. Remember what he says there. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Perhaps this image of the shepherd's rod and staff, they help us to understand why David goes on to pray to the Lord in verse 5, that he would put an end to his enemies. You see, David understood that the comfort of the shepherd's rod lay not only in the protection it provided the sheep, but also in the punishment, it would surely dole out to the predators. And and friends, that's what David's assailants were. They were predators. And so in verse five, we hear him say that God will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. And the image David uses here is that of a boomerang, I think. And he asks and trusts, That when his assailants let it loose, intent on striking him down, God would redirect it and have it return on them and strike them down. It's an unsettling image, isn't it? And perhaps you're wondering to yourself, whatever happened to the golden rule? (laughs) Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And friends, this is a good question. It's an important question, and I don't want to diminish it. But I want you to notice what David says at the end of verse 5. He says, In your faithfulness, put an end to them. And what he's calling on the Lord to do is to remember his covenantal commitment and to protect his people who bore his name. You see, although David was well aware of his own sinfulness... He also knew himself, despite these failings, to be a servant of the Lord. And as such, he knew that in a very real sense, he represented the Lord. And because of this, he understood that an attempt on his life by those who had not set God before themselves was not only an act of injustice, it was tantamount to attacking God himself which always demands a dreadful and just response from the Lord. And this is why he could pray with confidence in Psalm 143 12. You will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. And so I don't think what David's praying here shows a vengeful or a callous regard for the so-called golden rule. I mean, it's not like David's praying, Lord, let me do unto others as they have done to me. No, David knew that justice is God's business, not his. And so what we see in this prayer is David anticipating He's anticipating the final judgment that is in store for all who would set themselves up as enemies of God and his servants. And we hear him calling on the Lord in his pain and desperation to bring that judgment to fruition in his hour of need. And in this way, David's prayer here is, I think, perfectly at home with the counsel of the Apostle Paul when he said in Romans twelve nineteen, beloved never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of God for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord surely it is as the writer of Hebrews says a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God and we shouldn't wish it upon anyone even our worst enemies. Indeed, our Lord Jesus, he said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And he himself set the benchmark for this, for us to follow when he actually prayed for those who were crucifying him, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But I don't think David's appeal here in verse 5 stands in contradiction to our obligation as followers of Jesus, to love and to pray for our enemies. Rather, I think it gives us a window into the heart of David. I think it lets us experience with honesty the pain and anger that sin causes, rebellion against the Lord causes. I think it frees us to hate it, to seek its ruin. I think it too, it also, serves as a powerful reminder to us of the reality of God's coming judgment against sinners and a warning to all who would reject his lordship. And while I'm sure these are sobering words for us to consider this morning, friends, we need to take to heart that dread at the thought of God's coming judgment is appropriate Only for those who, like Saul and the Ziphites, do not place God before themselves. But it's not how David thought of God's presence. As God's servant, as one who had bowed the knee before his lordship and confessed him to be the upholder of his life, David was at peace with the Lord and the thought of God's presence and power, it didn't cause him to cower in fear, but instead it brought him profound and enduring consolation. It was, in fact, the heartbeat of his life. And this is why we hear him say in Psalm 27:4, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He yearned for the presence of the Lord. Friends, do you know the peace that comes from knowing God as his servant? Do you know the joy of his abiding presence? Can you say confidently with David, even in the midst of the trials you are facing, that the Lord is the upholder of my life. As we come to a close uh, this morning and turn our attention to the the final two verses, just briefly, I, I want you to notice the effect David's turning to the Lord in prayer and reflecting on his abiding and protective presence had on him. As I look at it in a word, he's overflowing with gratitude. So much so that we hear him pledge to make a sacrifice to the Lord for his deliverance. And and we need to be careful here. Let's not misunderstand what's going on. This isn't some sort of pagan quid pro quo. David's not trying to sweeten the pot, so to speak. He's not trying to curry God's favor as if he were saying, Look, God, I know I'm asking you to get me out of a scrape here, but let me tell you what's in it for you. Now, this would be completely to miss the point. And that's because, for starters, the sacrifice he pledges to make is a free will offering. This was a voluntary offering. It was made voluntarily by someone, by an Israelite, who was grateful to the Lord for his deliverance, to give testimony to the Lord's deliverance. But more than that, David knew that the Lord's deliverance wasn't something he could buy or merit no he knew that the lord's favor was and is something completely undeserved a gift that the lord graciously offers out of his own munificence and loving kindness for sinners and you know i think it's his deep understanding and confidence in the lord's gracious disposition towards sinners that led him even in the depths of of his sin when he was covered in shame and had nothing to offer i think all of this led him nevertheless to confidently approach the lord in prayer saying in that well-known psalm psalm 51 have mercy on me O god according to your steadfast love for i know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Don't uphold me because of what I can do for you. Uphold me, Lord, out of a willing spirit. And you know, what's especially striking to me here in our psalm, is that David pledges to make a sacrifice to the Lord for his deliverance before it actually comes to fruition? Did you notice that? Indeed, so settled was David's confidence in the power and presence of the Lord, even while he was still fleeing from his assailants, that he could say at the end of verse 6 and into verse 7 I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good for he has he has delivered me from every trouble you see like the like the prophet isaiah who said in isaiah 63 16 you O lord are our father our redeemer from of old is your name david knew that the very heartbeat of the god he served was a desire to redeem commitment to save sinners like himself sinners like you and like me this is why he began his desperate prayer for deliverance in our psalm this morning by asking the Lord to save him by his name and this is why full of confidence in the Lord's deliverance he's able to end his prayer by saying your name O Lord it is good Friends, do you know what it's like to have such confidence in the Lord? Have you tasted like David the goodness of the Lord's name? And perhaps you're here this morning and you know and you serve the same God that David served. But the troubles you're facing right now are pressing in so hard that, that you're at your wit's end. and You feel like giving up any hope of peace and deliverance. Let me remind you of what the Lord Jesus said at the end of Matthew's gospel as he prepared to ascend to heaven, as he knew he was sending out his disciples into a hateful world where they would be hated, where they would be persecuted, where they would experience dangers beyond measure. He said this, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Brothers and sisters like David, let those words of encouragement of the Lord's presence even now to wash over you and give you peace. Perhaps you're here uh, this morning, you've come, you've sat through our service, but in honest reflection, you'd have to say that you don't know the God of David that you've never tasted the goodness of his name, that the very thought of his presence and coming leaves you with a sense of dread rather than a sense of comfort and hope. Friends, I want you to know that the God to whom David in his desperation turned to in prayer, the God in whose presence he experienced abiding joy and consolation and peace, despite the enormity of the dangers that he was facing, This is the same God who offers himself to you freely today in the person of Jesus. If you would but humble yourself, acknowledging your own sinfulness and powerlessness to save, to turn to him in faith. The Apostle Paul said to the young pastor Timothy as he opened his letter the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I've received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Friends, will you turn to him? Turn to Jesus in faith, trusting in him alone for your deliverance. And so be able to say with David, Behold, God is my helper. Let's pray. Almighty God, we bow before you. We thank you, Lord, that we can know with certainty that you are the redeemer of sinners. You are our help you are the upholder of our lives. So, oh, Father, may we know that as we put our faith in Jesus. Oh, Father, use our time this morning to strengthen our faith in you and to knit us together. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.